Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Brad Yassar. Brad, are you ready to do this? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me, George. Excellent. Let's do this. Brad is an entrepreneur, investor, mentor, and advisor. He's the co-founder and managing partner of CrowdMentor, an advisory firm focusing on cryptocurrency, blockchain, and token-powered organizations, as well as what looks like a lot of other ventures that you have going on. We're definitely excited to have you on, Brad. Tell us a little bit about your personal life and some more about your work and why it is that you do what you do. Well, excited to be here uh, as well. My personal life, I am uh, married. I have a four-year-old son and, um, you know, on that front, it's uh, pretty traditional. You know, all the excitement is actually on the professional side uh, of my life because blockchain and cryptocurrencies have seen an explosion in growth and in investment as well as mainstream adoption in the past two years and uh, been always uh, interested in digital assets. So just to give you a little bit of color about myself, I've been a technologist uh, for over 30 years, had a couple technology companies that I started. but. Uh, in parallel, I've always been a gamer, so I always liked computer games, uh, and and the notion of digital assets or currencies having real value in the real world uh, was uh, was not new to me when I got um, introduced to Bitcoin in 2009, and and since then I've been looking for ways to. Uh, create a business around everything digital and crypto and and you know had a few attempts where uh, it uh, it didn't take off it was too early and and I still kept on uh, being a big fan of what's happening followed Bitcoin followed ethereum since its launch and and, and try to at least understand these new technologies because I was always fascinated by the um, the potential they they represent and then in 2016 um, started a, an advisory firm with a good friend of mine Mike Kostash and um, a few weeks after we started our advisory firm to help startups and businesses uh, implement uh, best practices and succeed we realized that there was a huge tidal wave coming in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space and um, that was the eureka moment for us, uh, hence the involvement. And, and that's when we converted CrowdMentor into just uh, uh, to focus on blockchain and cryptocurrencies. So what were the indicators that you recognized that was going to be this tidal wave of interest in the in the currencies? Well, I mean, I've, uh, I've lived through the internet boom and bust, and I was uh, probably too young to really make the most out of it. I mean, had a successful company, uh, had an exit, but uh, it was it was still premature for me because I wasn't mature enough to just focus on the opportunity with the internet. When in 2016, even as early as 15, the, the blockchain projects started becoming more than just Bitcoin and people started looking at different ways to use this 
uh, new technology in in uh, in ways that can be very uh, innovative in certain industries, I started getting interested because uh, I wanted to, you know, that's what I wanted to do and wasn't able to because the timing wasn't right. And then my business partner is good friends with a few very well-known evangelists in the Bitcoin and blockchain space. And so we've kept hearing from them that this is happening. Now is the time. Their hard work for the past half a decade is paying off and things are picking up. And that was the number one indicator. You know, if someone who's been evangelizing the technology for uh, since its inception tells you it's going to happen, you know, it's advantageous to listen to that person and and uh, just keep an open eye and open mind and and on top of it we attended a few events one of which we acquired afterwards but we attended a few events uh, met a few thought leaders who actually were uh, very firm believers in blockchain now when I say blockchain it's not necessarily any of the cryptocurrencies that are uh, out there and making uh, headlines in the mainstream media media right now. The the technology itself is uh, very groundbreaking, same as the connectivity and access to data and information that the internet provided. Blockchain is a technology that democratizes access to a lot of things that were centralized and controlled by powers to be, whether it's governments or powerful corporations or what have you. So that change uh, really resonated with us. And, and, you know, we wanted to be a part of something big that has a positive impact on a lot of lives, not just our own. For those that have not spent a ton of time researching this, they're extremely curious about cryptocurrency and they've heard the term blockchain. What What is blockchain? Blockchain is a technology that's a uh, distributed ledger model. So for any value transfer, say you want to buy something, you need to have a vehicle to transfer that value. For the longest, that vehicle has been paper currency and lately uh, credit cards. But there, there is a medium that you know uh, will carry that uh, value from one individual or one entity to the other. And as long as it works, it's valuable. So what makes US dollar valuable in and itself, you can't eat it, you can't clothe yourself with it. The only value is you can go to a store and if you presented that to someone, they'll feed you and they'll give you clothing. So that's the value. A cryptocurrency is the same thing. It's a vehicle for value storage or transfer where as long as there's a counterparty who wants to uh, take your cryptocurrency for a service or good or anything, it has value. Hence, uh, you know, the term cryptocurrency. So blockchain is the ledger that the cryptocurrency exists on because you need a way to account for who owns what. And that's uh, what that technology accomplishes. And uh, the crypto part of cryptocurrency means the currency itself cannot be taken from you. So to give you an example, if I have a dollar and someone stops me and says, give me your dollar, and they threaten me and I give my dollar, they have my dollar now. There's, uh, It's not encrypted, it's not uh, uh, registered to me, it's gone. Whereas if someone stops me and says, give me your Bitcoin, they're most probably not gonna get it, I mean, unless it's under duress, but uh, because it's, a, it's encrypted on a distributed ledger where they can't alter the ledger and say, this was mine, never Brad's, so that doesn't work. And they can't also just take it, I have to decrypt 
my wallet and uh, actually initiate a transfer for it to happen. Now, the mechanics of it are a little more uh, complicated, which I'm happy to share if uh, your listeners are interested. But in a simple way, it's a safe and secure way to uh, store value and then transfer it. That's what blockchain does, and that's what a cryptocurrency is. It's fascinating. So it's a it's a technical or a virtual ledger of who owned it, who transferred it, or in, in exchange for value, gave it to somebody, bought something with it. So it's following that coin throughout its whole life. That is correct. Now, when I hear about decentralization, decentralization and, and democratization, what what is that really referring to in relation to cryptocurrency and blockchain? Well, so a lot of the systems, socioeconomic systems we have right now are centralized. Uh, a currency, a national currency is issued by the central bank. It, even in the name, it has central. It's the government's bank. They're the only people who can issue no, new currency. It, and there, there are several layers to issuing that currency. So. There is a printing press that's uh, obviously uh, hired by the government to print the currency. Government itself doesn't run any of this. So it's a private entity that creates the currency. Then there are banks that uh, are more often than not private banks, institutions that distribute that currency. And and then we as the people get the, the, the least value from it because by the time it gets to us, most of the value has been uh, used by the entities that created and distributed and used it the first time. Uh, when we talk about decentralization of currency, cryptocurrencies, what happens is now you have a, a, a computer code that generates uh, these cryptocurrencies. So basically a cryptocurrency is a small snippet of code. It's programming language. And that programming language is governed and designed to be ruled by the rules that are built into it. So there's no uh, necessarily uh, third-party human involvement. You don't have intermediaries like banks or financial institutions or governments that control its distribution, dissemination, or usage. And so the, the original creation value of that uh, cryptocurrency resides with the creator, sometimes called miners. So someone uh, executes a certain amount of calculations and code on their machine and they get a token in return for, for that computational work they've done. And then that value is, is theirs to spend or hold or whatever they want to do with it which eliminates the middleman. So when, when I talk about decentralization, I, I try to focus on the ability of blockchain technologies, not just cryptocurrencies, but the distributed ledger that's not owned by anyone and ran by a multitude of people who are just running a node or a piece of the computing to support this ecosystem, uh, it eliminates a lot of middlemen. And that uh, in itself saves a lot of money in a lot of instances. Example, money transfer. You know, right now, if you wanted to transfer money across borders, you have a few options. Most, uh, uh, the best known is, and most used one is SWIFT. When you use SWIFT, you pay SWIFT X amount of dollars for each transfer. You have to, otherwise your transaction doesn't happen. Uh, if you look at um, an Ethereum, transfer, so you're transferring value on the Ethereum blockchain, it's a few cents compared to the $20, $30 you spend with SWIFT. So by eliminating a lot of the middlemen that want to take a piece of the action, 
you're, you're creating more value for the end users, the creator and the purchaser or the seller and the purchaser, uh, which is exciting. That in turn democratizes access to things like uh, banking. There is 2 billion people unbanked right now because their governments are unable to issue them a verifiable identity. So they don't have an ID card, they don't have something that can individualize them so that they can get a bank account. With the blockchain technology, we have the power now to give those people uh, an identity as long as they have even a flip phone, so they don't have to have anything uh, too advanced, and allow them to transact in a safe manner with digital currency because these people carry uh, fiat currency, paper currency with them and are prone to robbery and and attacks and and just things that we in um, the more uh, modernized parts of the world don't even uh, worry about these days. Right. That's fascinating. So when I read about or hear about how countries are shutting down exchanges, I think that was South Korea is maybe the most recent. Is it too late? for countries to try to stop this? Well, I mean, I can only give you my personal opinion and I'm an optimist. My understanding of of blockchain is you cannot shut it down because even if all the countries in the world came together, agreed on something, which has never happened in the history of humankind, (laughs) but uh, even if they all together banned blockchain, and exchanges and cryptocurrencies, there is going to be rogue nodes that are running it. And as long as there's one node running, the blockchain continues to exist. Now, exchanges is another uh, obviously question. Can they shut down exchanges? When you're an exchange, you often need a, a banking facility to conduct your business. So in that regard, if you're relying on fiat money, uh, regular money coming in for any function of your exchange, the the controller of that said currency can shut you down because they can terminate your banking relationships. That's why we are seeing a lot of decentralized peer-to-peer exchanges now. Uh, the way an exchange works is there's someone who wants to sell something and you need to find a buyer for it. So the more buyers and sellers you have, a healthier exchange exchange environment and more liquidity you uh, you have in your exchange. Originally, the, the, the way of providing liquidity has been by, by holding certain currencies or certain assets within the reach of the exchange so that there's always a counterparty to any transaction and making a money on the margin between uh, the sales price and the, and the purchasing price. Uh, now we're seeing a lot of interesting models. Again, I don't want to get too technical, but exchanges are peer-to-peer and decentralized. So there's no central uh, governing exchange entity. It's just uh, bringing people who want to sell a a certain asset, whether crypto or not, uh, together with the buyers and just making that transaction happen again in an automated, decentralized, autonomous way. And those are going to be more and more difficult to shut down because they're going to become just like uh, any successful blockchain now, distributed and uh, not reliant on one country's laws, regulations, or banking system. That is exciting. Is there a peak number of cryptocurrencies or, or coins or could there be an infinite number? How many should there be? How many do you think that there will be? Well, I mean, for the first time in modern history, because in the times before, especially in the United States, a lot of people may not know this, but 
every state, every town had their own currency. So, you know, Boston had their own currency, uh, New York had its own currency, and, and these, uh, it was becoming very difficult uh, because it was paper or metal coin-based currency to determine exchange rates and, and do uh, interstate trade and things like that. Hence the central government issuing one single currency to govern all transactions uh, within the country. But I think with the, with the ease of exchanging crypto assets to crypto assets, there's no reason why in the future we should not have hundreds, if not thousands of very valid and liquid cryptocurrencies and crypto assets, because now for the first time we can issue our own currency and issue our own assets. It's like we can now print money as long as you have a good idea and you're creating these crypto assets to bring value to people, there's always gonna be value storage. An interesting example I wanna share with you is uh, there are a couple of companies that issued cryptocurrencies, coins, and went out of business. So you would think if the underlying business is gone that the coins should not exist, right? But actually, the coins are still trading and they still have a value associated with them. Although the underlying business doesn't exist because enough people hold them and want to trade them, buy and sell them among themselves to create that value. So. I think, again, this is just my personal projection. I think there are going to be several thousand main uh, cryptocurrencies in the next uh, few years where they're going to be traded, used globally for specific purposes. Maybe it's for digital advertising, maybe it's for legal fees, whatever. And then you may start seeing actually national digital currencies like US dollar digitized and and it's starting slowly but more widespread adoption because printing money uh, minting coins these are very expensive processes like a dollar bill costs more than a dollar to create so if we can not have that expense as as a as a country and still allow a, a dollar worth of uh, value to be transferred, I think that would be advantageous. And then, of course, you're going to have some regional or even neighborhood based, uh, you know, same as your discount coupons and things like that, digital assets that represent that group of currency. So you may have your neighborhood baker issue a token just to the neighborhood so they can buy whatever goods they're uh, producing at a discount because they're in the vicinity and it increases the transfer. As long as we create liquidity between different crypto assets and they're interchangeable, uh, sky is the limit on how people are going to uh, use it in the future. And that's, that is fascinating stuff. I really had no idea. Well, Brad, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, Savage Nation people, I urge you to get involved with cryptocurrencies. Um, I, I Obviously, I'm an evangelist. I believe in the transformative power and positive transformative power of blockchain. But uh, my tip is it's never too late to invest in cryptocurrencies. If you got involved today, you're still going to be considered a pioneer five, ten years from now. <laughs> so my tip is create a digital wallet buy some crypto assets, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or one each of the top 10, I mean, a dollar each. You don't have to invest thousands of uh, your hard-earned cash into this. Just get some exposure and try to understand because this technology is here, it's here to stay, and it's gonna affect your business 
your job in some way that uh, we can't even imagine right now. And when that time comes, being able to say, oh, I have a wallet or, oh, I have a basic understanding of this is going to give you a huge uh, strategic advantage over the next person who doesn't have that experience. And then you're going to propel yourself to, you know, uh, to a better place, whether you're working somewhere or you have a business, you're going to have that unfair advantage of knowing what a cryptocurrency is. And you don't have to understand the technical details of blockchains and cryptocurrencies or anything like that. All you need to understand is you can store value in a digital virtual format. It doesn't have to be on a plastic card or, or a piece of paper or a piece of metal. And, you know, if you're a part of the future, you're going to you're going to be successful. If you're not, you're going to find yourself in a situation where, you know, we're pointing fingers and blaming other countries for what robotics and AI did to some industries. And, you know, I don't want anyone to be in that situation. Well, that is awesome stuff that definitely warrants a come on. Come on. Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Um, you can learn more about me. I'm on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Brad Yassar. And, and uh, if you want to see the projects we're involved with or have questions, you can uh, look at our website. It's uh, crowdmentorwithak.com. Uh, we have uh, we have an event series called d10e.biz. That's d10e.biz. And, and uh, I'm available on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Just uh, if you have any questions, I think the best uh, medium would be LinkedIn because I'm on it nonstop, but uh, happy to uh, answer any questions. Awesome. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brad your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Brad. Thank you for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!